Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Again, everyone, and welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. So you will be hearing us if you're either in Connecticut, uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut, Westchester, or Northern Long Island. And hopefully we will be expanding soon. Also to remember to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that wherever you are, you can hear all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And also please follow Joe and I on uh, on social media, wherever you find us, Rumble, particularly Rumble. We're trying to build up our presence on Rumble to get away from Facebook and YouTube, but we are using Facebook and YouTube right now. Um, so might as well, might as well, if you find us there, help us out there too, until we could depart from them. Um, so we thank you all for that. And today we want to welcome to the show someone you all probably know, Eric Sammons. And we want to discuss his new book, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How can, How We Can Reclaim It. Um, now, I'm, like I said, I'm sure all of you know who Eric is, but having said that, let me, uh, by way of a brief introduction, Eric Sammons is a husband, father of seven, author and editor of Crisis Magazine, which, by the way, I would recommend to anybody who's hearing our voice. You need to get much of your commentary and news from Crisis Magazine. It is an awesome resource, particularly for Catholics, for Americans in general, but particularly for Catholics, you need to be reading Crisis Magazine, okay? Um, he believes in life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness, Eric has written several books, including a book on Catholic evangelization and a book on the digital currency, Bitcoin. He's contributed over 150 articles to numerous websites, including One Peter Five, Catholic Answers, Crisis Magazine, of course, The Federalist, Catholic Vote, and Bitcoin.com. Eric Sammons, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hey, thanks so, so much for having me, Joe. I really do appreciate it. This is all great. Right, excellent. Eric, we always begin with the prayer because all good things start with the prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O oh most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided, inspired by this confidence. We find to you a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful, O oh mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. St. Dominic. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So let's rock and roll. Joe, what do we got? Eric, you began your study of the Catholic faith in 1991, and at that time you were a Methodist, Evangelical, Protestant. I always ask this when people converted, because I'm always interested. Uh, you were welcomed into the church in 1993. What was the catalyst for that change? I, I think what I know what started it off was uh, the pro-life movement. I was uh, very pro-life but I discovered that the Methodist Church actually had a pro-abortion stance. They, they said it was okay to, to uh, be uh, to have an abortion. And I, I knew that was wrong. I, I just knew that that's not, a Church of Christ could not have that position. And so what I started doing was I started looking at other Protestant denominations because the Catholic Church wasn't even on my radar, really. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that, of course. I'm just going to look at these Protestant denominations. But the more I studied the more I started, the, the real key point that that impressed itself upon me was, well, okay, let's say I become Southern Baptist, which at that time had a great pro-life stance. What's to keep them from, keep them from changing later? And I thought, well, that's not going to solve any problems if I become Southern Baptist, because 10 years down the road, maybe they'll become pro-abortion. And so I, I really realized that no matter what Protestant denomination I picked, I was going to have this issue that perhaps they would they would leave and, and, and become pro-abortion. And then a Catholic friend of mine, I asked him, how do you know the Catholic Church won't change one day? And he just looked at me with the funniest look where he's just like, well, it just can't. And it was like the best answer I ever heard, which is, of course, hilarious because, you know, if you weren't there, you wouldn't necessarily understand. But the look on his face was like it was just inconceivable to him. 
that the Catholic Church could defect on something as important as the sacredness of human life. And that really started me down the path to say, okay, well, maybe the Catholic Church is uh, where the Lord wants me to be. And you know, a couple of years later, I, I came into the church. So I, I'm very uh, grateful for that. I'm grateful for my friend, uh, of course, and all the Catholics in the pro-life movement who were a great inspiration to me uh, to become Catholic. I want to highlight a couple of things. Clearly, you were sincere and you were searching for something. And also, you studied. I watch Marcus Grody's show uh, a lot, you know, The Journey Home. And I find that that is a common link. When people look into the church, they're open, their hearts are open, and they're searching for truth. They always find a home in Rome. I, I think it's just a, a common parallel. It's going to lead to other questions down the road in this interview regarding, uh, is this the church uh, that Christ set up to save souls? Is this the only means of salvation? And I want to explore that a little bit as well. But with regard to your book, why is indifference deadly to Catholicism? Well, ultimately, indifference is the the most deadly thing that that can happen to any church, any organization, if you think about it. If the executives of Pepsi were indifferent to what cola you drank, well, eventually Pepsi's going to go out of business because they're not going to push what what they're selling. And that's a crude analogy, but the same thing is true of any religion, but particularly Catholicism, because we believe the Catholic Church is the one true faith, and that salvation comes to the Catholic Church. If we become indifferent to that and we basically say, well, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, if you're Christian or you're non-Christian, if you're if you're atheist, even if we don't if we're indifferent to what religion you are, then we're not going to tell other people about the saving uh, Catholic Church. We're not going to tell people, hey, you need to become Catholic. My friends, when I was Protestant, my Catholic friends who encouraged me to look into the Catholic Church and to become Catholic, they wouldn't do that if they were indifferent. I thank God every day that my Catholic friends when I was Protestant weren't indifferent. If I hung out with a bunch of indifferent Catholics, they wouldn't have said anything about the Catholic Church to me. They wouldn't have encouraged me to explore it, and I wouldn't be Catholic today. So you can see how that that's it's like a deadly virus, indifferences in the Catholic Church. If we are indifferent, we're not going to preach the gospel. We're not going to have our missionary zeal, and we're really not going to do our duty as Catholics to share the faith with, with everybody around us. Yeah, Eric, I... I want to just expand on that a little bit because one of the problems that Joe and I identify on the show all the time at the front line with Joe and Joe, and you're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Network, we're being joined by Eric Sammons to discuss his new book, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It, is there's both a negative and a, and a positive connotation to the idea of Americanism. So taking the negative side of that, okay, but it seems like that's what Americanism requires is a certain level of indifference so that, I mean, tell me if you agree with me on that, because it seems like a lot of people, people of goodwill even, have fallen into this temptation to say, well, well, that's okay. You, you were Americans. Just, you know, uh, you know, you believe in Jesus. You could, you could, you know, you could be, you could be all sorts of religious, but as long as you have certain fundamentals down your pro-life, let's say, um, and things like that. And of course you have to be pro-business, um, then we'll, we'll all go to heaven. I mean, do you see that that, am I, am I overblowing that or if I'm, am I, um, am I illustrating that wrong in your mind? No, I don't think so. I think it's very much exists in the air we breathe as Americans. And you see it very much that what do we do when we're in polite society? We never would talk about religion. A lot of times we don't talk about politics either, but we particularly would never talk about religion. Think about if you're at some business gathering, for example, a networking event or something like that, and all of a sudden you brought up your faith. Think about what a thud that would be in, in the conversation. It'd be so awkward. People would be like, oh my gosh, you just broke the golden rule of Americanism right there that you talked about your faith. And, and so I really feel like it's it's ingrained in all of us. And I, I, I know it's ingrained in me. I, I struggle with this just as much as the next guy wanting to talk about my faith with others because exactly as you said, we're not supposed to do that. We're just supposed to basically say, as long as you're a good person, you know, basically everything will work out for you in the end. Now, that's not Catholicism, but it is the the idea that we have in America. And I do think that it, it pervades the American Catholic Church. I mean, I'm not familiar as much with, with other Catholic churches in other countries, but here, it just, it's unbelievable because I've worked in uh, evangelization efforts in the Catholic Church for 25 plus years now. And the challenge I've always had is indifference and which leads to apathy 
people are just like, I, I remember we did a door to door campaign one time at a parish I was at where we go door to door and we were just going door to door to tell people about the parish, invite them to come, let them know about it. And we were particularly focused. We were hoping to get people who might be Catholic and fallen away. And I remember a, a, an older lady, when she heard about this, she came up to me, she's like, a door to door campaign. Are we really that desperate? And she just thought it was like just crazy, the idea of going door to door and, and telling people about the Catholic faith, about our parish, because to her, it's like, oh, they're fine. There's no reason that we need to go. I mean, she kind of looked at almost like as a money making thing, like we're just so desperate to get people because we're running out of money. But it's like, no, these are souls that need to be saved, that need to find out about the saving grace of the Catholic Church and Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, Eric, you said something I thought that was interesting, and I want to talk about it because I think it's important. Um, I've seen you discuss this with Taylor Marshall, and I want to compliment you on the, the way you handled yourself in that interview. I thought it was very fair and level, like like level, plain, like, you know, it wasn't like radical, but it, you were saying the truth. Salvation is found in the Catholic Church. That is in the catechism. And you said this is not an American idea. It's in the catechism. It says we are saved through our baptism and the church. But then it also says through no fault of your own. And I thought you did a great job in that interview. Let's explore that. Because to be honest with you, that's a little bit vague. But at the same time, I think it needs clarity. And I think at present, you know, like you said, you were searching for the truth as a Methodist. You were open-hearted. You were reading. But you were searching. And you found the church. Talk about that. Because I think people need to hear it. No one discusses it. Right. And it's very important to note that the Catholic Church has always taught that outside the church, there's no salvation, that it's the church is the body of Christ. And so you you're only saved through Christ. That's that's the number one principle is only through Jesus Christ can anybody be saved. And the method in which the means in which that happens is through his body, the church. And so outside the church, there is no salvation. This is just something that is a basic Catholic belief. I know most people don't they don't know about it. And those who do know about it, some of them, a lot of them reject it, but it's just a basic Catholic belief has been since the beginning. But what's happened is, is that there's been, there are what are, you know, for lack of a better term, like exceptions, not exceptions that you are saved outside of Jesus Christ in the church, but that somebody who does not know about Jesus, for example, it is possible that they're united to the church in some mysterious way, only known by God, and therefore could be saved. The problem has become, and I, this is one of the key points of my book, is that the emphasis of church leaders and most Catholics today is only on that idea of this exception that, oh, it is possible that somebody who is not visibly inside the church that we can see, that they could be saved. But that's up to God. That's not up to us. I agree. Our, our obligation is to try is to lead people to the Catholic Church because we we can know with moral certainty that if a person is a practicing Catholic, they've been baptized, they're receiving the sacraments, their state of grace, they will go to heaven. We know that as a fact because it's a, a promise of our Lord. Somebody who does not do that, we cannot have that certainty. And so, therefore, you know, maybe God will take care of them. Okay, fine. That's that guy can do whatever he wants to do. But for us, since we don't know whether or not they're going to be saved, then we need to do all we can. So if you have a loved one who is outside the Catholic Church, not a practicing Catholic, you need to do all you can to share with them and invite them to the Catholic Church because we don't know it could be because if they die, we don't know what's going to happen to them. Only God knows. Whereas, like I said, if they're practicing Catholic and state grace, we know for a fact that they will go to heaven. So that's I, the real. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And that is church teaching. No one says that. It's so important. At the bottom line, it's confession. We are sinners. I went to confession on Thursday at the monastery near my home because I'm a sinner. Right. I and and without that like, you know, sacrament, I don't know how you stay you can't you can't stay in communion with God. Right. That, that, that's Pelagianism, the idea that that's the old heresy that thinks through our works will be saved. And that's essentially what people are today. They're practicing their functional Pelagianists, meaning Pelagius taught that if somebody could, somebody could work, could be good enough to be saved without grace. 
And that's a heresy. You have to have grace. Well, how is the, 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 the means in which God gives us, the primary means which God gives us grace? Through the sacraments. And for those of us who have already been baptized and we're, we're practicing Catholics, it's confession is that primary means in which we are forgiven for our sins because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I fall every day. Oh, Lord. And so I have four I need kids. To pick you have me seven. Up. I fall every hour. <laughs> right, exactly. That's right. I, and I, so got, I, need I got bumps and bruises all over my body from how many times I fall a day. Go ahead, Eric. I'm That's sorry. Right. And sometimes when we fall, we fall in such a way that we can't get up without somebody coming to pick us up, and that's our Lord who picks us up, and that's in confession. And so we really do need to emphasize this, that without a sacramental life, meaning you're going to, to, to mass regularly, you're going to confession regularly, you're praying, all those things. Without that, we really are in danger. And this is, I mean, here's the thing. Traditionally, meaning over the thousands of years of the church, if you look at the writings of the saints and the great theologians, people like that, the assumption was, is that, that we are sinners and we are, we are, destined for hell, meaning we're on the path to hell. If something doesn't happen, that's the default. This is something that's very controversial today to say, but it would have been commonplace 100 years ago, because with original sin, if you're not baptized, then your, your path is towards hell because you have chosen to go away from God, and that's a terrible thing. And so that's why we need to really emphasize the, the importance of baptism for those who aren't baptized, and then those who are baptized and who have fallen, the importance of confession. So you get on the right path. And I think we just assume, it's like there's this idea that everybody except for maybe Hitler or Stalin, they're on the path to heaven. And you know, there's just a few people. No, I, I mean, we don't know, of course, how many are saved and how many are damned. But I do know that if you look at the saints throughout history, they 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 had this missionary zeal because they thought oh people are could be really in trouble some one of my favorite saints is saint isaac jokes and he came um to the new world to convert to native americans in, in new york uh, i've sure. been to, to to where um the north american martyr shrine up there and and it's i, I just it was a, a powerful experience when i went there and uh saint isaac jokes if you look at his writings he suffered so much i mean he had his fingers literally bitten off by Native Americans. And he and he did it. If you look at his writings, why did he say he did it? He did it because he was afraid that the people here were not baptizing, so they're going to hell. That's why he did it. That's what gave him missionary zeal. I mean, it's a, his story is so amazing because he went back to France at one point after he had been uh, captured and had his fingers bitten off. He escaped, came back to France. Well, what do you want to do when you get to France? He didn't want to like sit back and say, okay, I've done my duty. No, he's like, I got to go back. I got to go back because he knew there was people here who were in danger of eternal damnation, eternal separation from God. And he wanted to, he wanted to make sure that didn't happen. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of passion. I don't think many of us have today. I, I think, um, I, and, and Hollywood produces so much trash. So believe me, I'm not promoting Hollywood. Uh, but um, one, one of the best movies I ever saw in my life and it, and it captured exactly what you're talking about was black robe. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen black. Yes, robe, I, I, years ago I did see that. Yeah. And, and, and the character, the main character is a French Jesuit. He has that zeal. That's all he's about is to go and, and save these people. I would recommend black robe um, to, uh, to anybody who wants to see some serious missionary zeal. Here are some sad realities. Eric Sammons, who's joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network. Here are some sad realities. We talked about confession, okay? Obviously, a sacrament. That's where we get grace. Um, and we have to confront these realities. 70% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Higher percentages do not believe, as we see now, you can be a good Catholic and be pro-abortion, I guess. Um, at least that's what CN, at least that's what, you know, MSNBC and CNN tell us. Um, so uh, higher percentages reject church's moral teachings, particularly on sexuality, mass attendance is in free fall. Um, what's, and obviously regular confession, a lot of people just don't go to confession. Um, at the, what, what's the root of these problems Eric? what's causing this? Cause obviously it's a problem and anybody who denies that has got their head in the sand. What's causing these problems in your view? Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of factors that are involved in anything this major and when this is happening. I would say at the root of it, though, is Catholics don't really think it's that important to be Catholic. What I mean by that is a lot of Catholics see their faith as 
something like a jacket they put on maybe Sunday mornings, and then they take off when they get home. It's not something that pervades every fiber of their being. And so what happens is when something, when something contradicts their faith, whether it be a moment of suffering, maybe they just don't, maybe somebody close to them dies and they don't really, uh, and, and they blame God for it, something like that, or something as simple as they continually hear on the new on, on TV about uh, same-sex uh, marriage or something like that, and it just wears them down. They don't really go to the faith and say, well, what does the faith say about this? What, is the, what does the church say about this? Instead, they just, they're willing to accept that because it's not that important to them. And over time, they just lose the faith. They lose their ability to, to remain Catholic because it, it, it's like they've had all of these other factors, secularism, everything else kind of driving home to them because it just wasn't that important. And I think it starts from the beginning because let's be honest, the reality is, and this is another one of those things, if you deny it, you got your head in the sand. Parish life at most American parishes, I'll, I'll say most American parishes, is just very dead. It's not something that that you go there and think, wow, this is something, this is the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important than what's going on right here, right now. And this is, and only here can I get what they're offering. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of them have turned into social clubs and it's like a parish isn't that much different if you went to the Elks Club or the Kiwanis Club or something like that as far as what you get. It's a social time. You see your friends, stuff like that. And those things aren't bad. I mean, obviously we want to have community at our parishes. But a parish, a Catholic parish offers something you can get nowhere else in the world, the sacraments and, and salvation. And so, but you wouldn't know it if you walked into your typical parish. And so I really feel like it's this idea that it's just not that important to be Catholic. It's just like one of those things like I'm a baseball fan and I'm Catholic and I like chocolate ice cream. Okay. Those are things about me. I, you know, and that that's about it, mm-hmm. but really it, it's so much more than that, of course. And that's what, that's what we really need to get back to is emphasizing how important it is to be Catholic. It's, it's literally life-changing. It's eternal life-changing. And so we need to really uh, emphasize that much more. Eric, you said so much there. I mean, I could speak from a person who was a cultural Catholic. You're a convert. I, I mean, you're Italian. You live in New Jersey. You eat pasta on Sunday. You go to church. What was the game changer for me? Knowing that Jesus is in the Eucharist. Once you know that, everything changes. The mass, you look at it as a reverent reverent offering to God. You go to confession. Another game changer People in the culture don't see the necessity of going to church. I know who I am, Eric, and I'll tell you this right now. I tried it my way, and it doesn't work. You did, the, you did, the, you did the Sinatra thing. You, did, you right. tried it your way. Say, I, I, I always, it always amazes me. It's like people, need to, Catholics in particular, need to listen to the words of that song. All right, It is not a Catholic song. In fact, it's the opposite. But speaking to your point, Joe, exactly trying it our way. Hey, look, man, I, I tell people all the time, like I've gotten, I've had these conversations. I work, I've been working, Eric, in New York City for years. I was an actor years ago. I know nothing but liberals, okay? Um, and people who are, let's say, for I would say, not friendly to the church. It, it, it's, you know, they have all these, these ideas. And unfortunately, this is the same when it comes to, let's say, cradle Catholics. That's why I think converts have more zeal because as Joe said earlier, you actually have gone through the trouble to search into the Catholic church. Um, there are so many distortions of the faith, okay, um, that people that people get their view of what we believe from Hollywood or, or, from, or from the media, and it's completely unfair. What are some of what you think are the, are the more damaging distortions of our faith that, of course, is in the, in the culture is presented as progress, but not so much? Right. Well, first, I just want to say that my way is the highway to hell. So let's not agree. You got two songs there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be yeah. two, two terrible songs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think really the problem is so many Catholics are formed in their view of the church by the by the culture. 
And of course, that's a very deformed view of what Catholicism really is. And it really does. I mean, one of the distortions is, is that Catholicism is just like another denomination. I cringe every time I hear somebody call Catholicism a denomination. We're not a denomination. We're the church. And Catholics need to realize that. It's not to say we can't have good relations with Protestants. Like, for example, in pro-life work, I'm always happy to work with our Protestant brothers and sisters trying to uh, end the, the, the Holocaust of, of, of the unborn. But at the same time, I'm not going to allow there to be this idea that we're just another denomination, another Christian denomination. We are the church. And that is a key distortion right there. I think it's probably the number one is that people don't recognize that because as a Protestant, when I was Protestant, so I never, I assumed other Protestants of other denominations, of course, they're, they're going to heaven as well. They're, they're valid Christians. I, I wouldn't question as a Methodist. I knew Presbyterians were Christian. I knew Evangelicals, Baptists were Christians. I didn't question that. And I thought they were just as good as Christian to me. They were just a little wrong on, on these issues. That's not how it is, though, with, with Catholicism, in that we have the fullness of faith. It's not that Protestants don't have certain things right. Of course they do. When they believe Jesus Christ is Lord and they believe in the Trinity, those things are correct teachings. But it really is not the same thing because, and it's not that they're not Christian, but that they're not receiving that sacramental grace they need to receive. So that, I'd say, is the number one uh, distortion. I also just think that... We're, I see this a lot in, in church leaders, bishops, priests, stuff like that, and I don't want to pick on them because I know they have hard jobs, but they seem to be apologetic for being Catholic. And I don't mean like Catholic apologetics, which is good. I mean like they're I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. so when, when you see this in interviews, stuff like that, when, when the mainstream media might, might interview them about same-sex marriage or, or, or some controversial issue, pro-life, whatever, they don't technically deny the faith. But they seem embarrassed by it. They seem to really want to emphasize anything they agree with, with the culture. And I know there's a time and a place for that sometimes, but sometimes a bishop just has to stand up and say, listen, same-sex marriage is false, and it's a destructive lifestyle to be engaged in homosexual relations, and that, that's, a, that's a sure path to hell, and you need to get out of that. I mean, where are our leaders to say those things in, in mainstream media? And so what happens is when you're the average Catholic or average non-Catholic listening to that apologetic, like, so, I'm sorry, I'm Catholic. Well, then you're not going to be attracted to Catholicism. You're going to be like, well, that guy doesn't even seem to want to be Catholic. Why should I want to be Catholic? So I think those are some ways in which it really, it, 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 it fuels a distortion of what Catholicism is in the average uh, Catholic and non-Catholic out there. I think that's why it's so important that we all, all of us, it, on a smaller level at the front line with Joe and Joe, God willing, getting bigger, Crisis Magazine, whoever it might be, all of us as faithful Catholics, um, we need to we need to really come out with a unified voice um, and take up that responsibility, uh, responsibility as lay people to say, no, 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 it, it doesn't really matter what this popular prelate said or, or that one. Uh, if it's not true, it's not true. And we have to respectfully say that and say, no, this is the truth. It's so important. That's why I think that, you know, with, with Catholic social media, publications like Crisis Magazine, uh, all of it, that we just need to shout this from the rooftops and say, no, this is what the Catholic Church teaches. This is what we believe. And the culture is wrong. And if you heard different, you heard wrong. Well, I, I think, and you're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. Joe, I think we have time before the break to at least begin uh, another question. Well, Eric, you talked a little bit about things that are ignored. We talked a little bit about same-sex marriage. Obviously, sometimes that's not put forth in the in the manner, in the direct manner that it should. But one thing I always say to my wife is Christ was clear. You always knew where Christ stood. He said very clearly, your yes must be yes and your no must be no. Talk about saying things clearly, because sadly, I think you use the example of that. It's toned down. Now, that doesn't mean we bludgeon people to death, because there must be love. And I'm going to be honest with you, Eric. That's why I respect you a lot. I think you do a very good job of that. I have to learn to do a better job of it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Talk about the need for clarity but to speak it in love uh, hold on eric hold that thought one second if you don't mind let's take a quick break okay um because i want to let eric give him a opportunity to really answer that question you're at the front line with joe and joe 
with Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network 1350 on your AM dial. We're having a fascinating conversation with Eric Sammons discussing his new book, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It. Please also make sure you download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content and follow Joe and I on uh, social media, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, wherever you find us. Uh, click something that's going to help us. That's all we can ask. But stick around. We got another segment with Eric Sammons. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are in the breach with Eric Sammons. Deadly Indifference is his new book, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It. So, Eric, picking up on uh, Joe's question before the uh, end of the break, uh, you can go from there, please. Yes, so the need to be direct, I think that's very important. I think there's this, this false idea of evangelization that we are supposed to always be... Uh, doing anything we can to build common ground with the person we're talking to. Now there's a time and a place for that. But there, but if you you gave the example Joe of our Lord and how he worked. If you look at our Lord, he didn't always do that. Sometimes he would say things very directly that he knew that the person would very likely turn away from. I mean, when he gives his teaching on the Eucharist, we see that many of his disciples left. He didn't try to find common ground with them, say, oh, well, let me tone down my teaching on the Eucharist so that you guys won't leave. No, he turned to the apostles and said, are you gonna leave too? And of course, when he talked to religious leaders, we, we calls them hypocrites, he calls them a brood of vipers, things like that. He's very direct with them. And yet we also know our Lord is the most loving person ever. So there's not a contradiction between directness and love. And so what we have to do is we have to be very clear. The most loving thing I think we can do is be very clear at what the church teaches, even if it might make the other person uncomfortable at times. And it, that's a key. I feel like making someone uncomfortable is a key point in evangelization. Because if I'm not uncomfortable about what I believe, I'm not going to change, right? I'm just going to keep believing what I believe. As a Protestant, I remember this. My friend, uh, who was the most instrumental in bringing me into the church, he was very direct, and he annoyed people. I mean, I know a couple of people, Catholics, who did not like him at all when we were in college because he was so direct about things. But I loved it, and I think there's a time and a place for that. Like, I'm gathering from you guys just – you know, from uh, where you live and your, your, your background and stuff like that, that you live in your, in your uh, culture. It's very, think people are direct in things and that's good. I mean, that's what you want because you don't want to pussyfoot around and just say, oh, you know, I'm not going to say anything that might offend the other person. You will offend people. Our Lord offended people. Now, again, you're not trying to offend them. It's not why you're saying it. Like, oh, let me try to get a rise out of this person. You're saying it out of love because Perhaps in their being offended, yeah, their initial reaction might be they take offense, but then the Holy Spirit works in them, and they start to think like, well, wait a minute, because I, I tell you what, I remember like my friend and I, my Catholic friend, and I, when I was converting, we would actually get in shouting matches sometimes. I would get so upset with him. I mean, you know, we were younger, we were a little dumber, but we were yelling at each other about, about this type of stuff. And ultimately, though, that did lead me to the faith. I'm not claiming yell at people, but I am saying that... You need to challenge people. You need to say things that that might not work. I might not agree with. I mean, obviously, like I have a, a one of my best friends from high school. He uh, he he he's lives a homosexual lifestyle, and I remember I, I talked to him about it, and I was very loving. I mean, I I 
this is another key point. I'd been friends with him for a long time. I was very loyal to him. And, you know, I consider him a, a, a good friend to this day and I always will. But I told him directly, I said, you got to give that his lifestyle. It's it's very harmful for you, both physically and spiritually, psychologically, in every way. You got to get out of this lifestyle. And I offered, you know, different ways that he could, you know, courage and different groups and stuff like that. And he wasn't even Catholic. He's not even Catholic. But that's what we have to do. We can do both. We can be very direct. Like, and my friend respected it. That's the thing is most people, they respect that. They're not going to be offended as, as because they know it's coming out of love. He respects, he, you know, he respects me. He respects what I was saying. He, he, you know, he hasn't followed my advice to this day. I'm still praying for him every day that he will. But that's the idea of being direct, but yet also charitable and loving at the same time. And how I want do to give people, you a quick oh, example. I'm sorry, Joe. I just want to give a quick sure. example of that. How, how, how from my own personal experience, Eric, um, back after I, my wife and I, we both married late. Um, and I met my wife about 10 years ago. We got married in 2013, but I'm just saying that for a reason. I had to, I had to go to confession one time. Um, and I was, I worked in New York city. So I went down to, to St. Patrick's very quick story, um, about directness and, you know, almost, you know, feeling very uncomfortable. I, in the course of a confession, the priest asked me a question that I answered. I won't get into details. And he says, but you're in a state of mortal sin. And I said, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. In other words, he says, no, you're in a state of mortal sin. I can't give you absolution until you rectify that. So I'm only giving you this as an example of being like direct, you know, having the directness directed at me. It was one of the best things that happened yep. in my journey back to the church. Yeah. That moment in confession where the priest said, I'm not giving you absolution until you rectify this situation. And I made a commitment to do so. He gave me absolution and I took care of that problem. And I was obviously fulfilled my obligation. That priest loved you. That's, I mean, exa that's, that's, that's exactly key. my point. Yep. The priest says, ah, ah, don't worry about it. Ah, we don't do that anymore. No, 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 we do. And we all need to hear that sometimes and get jolted a little bit. That jolt is important, I think. Oh, I agree. And, and how do you know something if somebody doesn't tell you? I mean, you have children, I have children. If your son's smoking marijuana at the table and you don't say anything, he thinks it's normal. Right. Well, it's not. I mean, and that's, we talked a little bit about Americanism. There's a lot of things that Catholics believe that are normal, like contraception. That's Oof. a sin. That's a sin. God's not happy with you. It's a mortal sin, actually, to be honest with you. Yet, it's not said. It has to be clear. How can you help somebody if you don't tell them you're going in the wrong direction? You have to change. And this is something I think the clarity, it's missing. It's missing. And it has, and again, it has to come from a place of love. It has to be, it, you can't beat people over the head with it. It's got to be said, though. And I think a lot of people use too much human wisdom, what I call human wisdom in this. They're too concerned about what the reaction is going to be in the sense that they, they, all they're thinking about is I just have to make sure whatever I say, the other person won't reject it. Well, the reality is the other person will reject it sometimes, and you will be laughed at times. You will be, uh, re you know, maybe lose friends and things like that. That will happen because it happened to our Lord. If it's not happening, you're probably not following in his footsteps, to be quite blunt. And so if, if, our, if we're using human wisdom, of like, how can I craft this message perfectly so he won't reject it? That's not how our Lord did it. Divine wisdom is I'm going to say something clearly. I'm going to say it in charity. And however that person reacts is up to him, how he responds to the Holy Spirit. If he doesn't, if he responds poorly, he has free will. If he rejects it and rejects me, okay, I, I can't force him. But this idea that we have to craft our message perfectly. So, and if, if for some reason they reject it, then we haven't done that. No, that's not how it works. Sometimes they'll reject it. But what will happen is, and this is my experience, is that more a lot of times you'll get people who you thought would have hated you and reject you that all of a sudden it's like it hits them like oh my gosh like i'm sure that priest who talked to you joe and said that's the moral thing he's probably said that to other people and i bet you some of them were offended and some of them might even walked out i wouldn't be surprised if some of them even walked out mm -hmm. that's just the way it is but that priest that didn't mean he wasn't wasn't loving he was loving every single time he says that yeah. and so it's up to us to us up, up to the person then to either accept that grace or, or reject it Eric, uh, well, you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach with Eric Sammons, and we are discussing his new book on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It. Now, Eric, we spoke a little earlier, we mentioned earlier about missionary zeal. 
Okay. How do we reclaim that? Um, you see, zealousness or the, that zeal for the faith has to come from within, but how do we, how do we get people to, to charge them up so that we can recapture that, that missionary zeal, particularly in America, because we need some good missionary work in right. America. What's your thoughts on that? I think, first of all, we have to have the foundation of prayer and penance. Uh, a lot of times we, a lot of people say the prayer part, which is good. And obviously prayer is first and foremost, but we also do need that penance, fasting, doing different penances, because that supercharges our prayer. That's how we really have that, that, that zeal will come to us from the Holy Spirit. If we're also doing our, our fastings and, and, and our penances and things like that with our prayers. But I also do think it comes back to what we were saying before that we really have to believe what the church teaches about her role in salvation. We really have to believe that outside the church, there's no salvation because that way, when we look at souls who are not living a Catholic life, or then, then we have this desire, if we truly love them, to, rectif- to help them, to lead them closer to Jesus Christ. That's what gives us that zeal. Now, how that happens, everybody has different personalities. Some people are very outgoing, and so they're going to be able to say things a lot, maybe more eloquently. They might be able to talk to people a lot more. Some people are, are super introverts. They're not really comfortable talking about this stuff. I get that. So how you do it, the specifics are, are going to differ depending on who it is. And I think, though, no matter what your personality is, you can have that zeal where you're looking for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to give you to share your faith with others. It might just be, I, I remember one time I was at my daughter's softball uh, practice, I think it was her game. And one of the parents of the other uh, girls knew me enough to know that I was a practicing Catholic, stuff like that. And she started talking to me about the fact that she had been Catholic, but she hadn't had her kids baptized. Her kid, This was like, the, her daughter was 12, I think, or something like that at the time. And so I started talking to her about like, yeah, you really do need to get her baptized. You need to go, you know, go your, because she actually even had gone to, they'd gone to mass sometimes, you know, it was like every once in a while they go. And so I said, you need to go your priest. You need to talk to him. You need to say, I, I want my kids baptized. You really need to learn more why that's important stuff like that. And that just came to me like that opportunity. It wasn't like I was talking to her about the faith all the time, but like, I didn't shy from mentioning things like, for example, uh, oh yeah, we, we had our parish picnic yesterday and it was a lot of fun or something like that. Or if there was a game on Sunday morning, like, no, we can't go because we have to go to mass. Those type of things lead then to conversations. The Holy Spirit can lead those people who are open to it, to conversations that you can then encourage them and say, yeah, you really do need to get your kid baptized. You really need to go back to, back to the practice of the faith. So I think those are ways that if we're praying, we're fasting, and we're really understanding the church's teaching about outside the church and salvation, we're going to get opportunities to, to really be missionaries in our own lives. And of course, then also, it's going to raise up those missionaries who can go to other places, go to other countries, go to other places uh, to really preach the gospel. You, you said so many things. I mean, I think a fundamental idea with regard to uh, spreading the faith is you can't give what you don't have. And you talked about prayer, you talked about fasting. It's fundamental. Everything we give is given to us. We learn that in the joyful mystery. Our Lady receives Jesus in the Annunciation, and she gives him away through a simple act of charity in the visitation. That is the method. You give what you get, and if you don't reach for what God is giving you, you can't give anything. That's very important. But another thing I want to emphasize is something you also talked about. You're talking to someone at a softball game. It's taking a chance not being afraid, get out of the boat. Sometimes it's going to be awkward, but sometimes people will surprise you. And that has happened to me. People I never would have thought in a million years would respond in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that. But sometimes it doesn't go that way. And it's accept both, accept both. That's what I think people, they don't want to get out of the boat, Eric. They're afraid to be laughed at. You know something? Listen, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm, I was a cool person. <laughs> I don't, I'm not anymore. And I don't care. You're a nerd. And <laughs> I don't care. When I was in high school, I was. But I don't care. You see, right. you have to get past that. Who cares if someone says something about you? We're doing what the Lord says. Eric, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of times we, we've forgotten something that used to be emphasized a lot in the church, which is that, that desire for human respect, which is a sin. 
The desire for human respect is a sin. And that's what we're desiring because we don't want to be embarrassed. At the softball game, I don't want another parent to think maybe I'm a weirdo. I'm some religious freak or something like that. And so I keep my mouth shut. But the fact is, if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not being willing to be rejected, you'll never lead anybody to Jesus Christ and you'll never help anybody on that, on that step. And another thing I want to emphasize is that it's not like you're going to have somebody saying to you, Oh, I want to convert to Catholicism right now because you just said that very eloquent thing. What I I remember reading, there was like a a sociologist study people converting from religion. And usually there's like, there's a typically on average 150 points of contact before they convert, meaning they had 150 different interactions with that faith before they finally brought came to conversion. And I can see that. I mean, I couldn't, I wouldn't count my own life, but I know I had lots of contact with Catholics before finally I said, okay, I'm going to become Catholic. And you might be the third person in that line of 150 and you might be the 150th person. So you see it happen, but each, each of those contacts are important. And so that's why, for example, like that, I don't know if that, that woman ever did have her, her kids baptized because ultimately she ended up like her kid got on their team the next year, something like that. I lost contact with her, but I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is maybe I was that 10th contact in that chain of 150 that, that helped along. But if I hadn't been that 10th, maybe it wouldn't happen. Maybe the chain breaks or something like that. That's why even if you get rejected, it, I've heard stories about this too, where somebody rejects the person, but then five years later down the road, whatever, all of a sudden they're like, they, they become Catholic and because of things like that, that had happened in their life. So we, we don't even worry about rejection. Isn't always rejection, to be honest. It can lead to conversion as well. But think yeah, we have to remember, G- I mean, we could be the one, I'm sorry, but we could be the one planting, planting the seed. Right, I mean, I really is essentially is what you say each, every point in that 150 point line um is a seed planting and then the whole, just and prayer like you said so joe go ahead i'm sorry no, I but i was off. gonna say jesus approached zacchaeus in a tree he wasn't supposed to respond but he did he approached the woman at the well she wasn't supposed to respond but she did you see i think we forget that you know like sometimes the worst person will respond and the person you think isn't go is going to won't you know leave it to god and put our fear aside i mean again and i think you put it much better than me it's we want human respect we have to put that aside too gotta get invited to those cocktail parties joe right. gotta, gotta gotta go to the cocktail parties drink a little gray goose eat a little fuck wow or else you're not you're not with the hip crap. you're not right. you're not cool joe rest no, right. good do that. good i don't want to be cool you're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo and Joe Restinello. We are having a fascinating conversation with Eric Sammons, discussing his new book, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It. Um, how can we revitalize, Eric? Um, how are some? What are some practical things we could do to revitalize parish life? I remember you brought up earlier, um, or we touched on this a little earlier, I was thinking in my mind, you know, not everybody in North New Jersey, in North North New Jersey, of course, was a saint. Probably the opposite. There's a movie out there now, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the, 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 the prequel to The Sopranos. Um, but here's the thing, though. The church was unmistakably present in many, many, many things that went on, nearly all the things that went on in our neighborhood, whether it was running Little League Baseball um, and, and a whole host of other things, was central to our neighborhood. St. Francis Xavier Church in Newark. St. Lucy's was the same, which is right near Sacred Heart Cathedral in Newark. All right. Um, big parish presence. That... I, I, this is anecdotal. This is from my experience. It's been lost. Right. All right. How do we revitalize parish life in America in particular? And I, I do think that is the key because the vast majority of Catholics, their entire experience of the Catholic Church is in their local parish. They're not keeping up with what's going on in the Vatican. They're not, they don't care about what's happening at the USCCB or anything like that. They're just simply their parish life and then what they get from the culture. Uh, so they hear about Joe Biden or, or something like that. But, but so parish life is essential. And I really do think that ultimately comes down to how seriously does your, your parish take the faith? And what I mean by that is every, the, the mission of every parish is the salvation of souls, because that's the mission of the Catholic Church is the salvation of souls. So what a parish needs to do is it really needs to look at everything they offer, everything you do. 
is it directed towards salvation of souls? That doesn't mean you can't have a book club, but it does mean if your book club's reading the Da Vinci Code, this is a true story. I know of a parish that actually did that. Then, you know, you got a problem there. But the, the, the focus should be is if you're spending more resources on the book club, then you are on promoting confession. That's a problem too. And so what really has to happen is parish, especially those people who are involved in the parish, obviously comes from the pastor, has to come from the pastor uh, you know, at the top, but from all the volunteers and people who are involved in parish life, you have to be evaluating everything you do based upon does it further our mission of the salvation of souls, which means the priority has to be sacramental. The priority has to be the mass and, and promoting confession. And then everything else has to flow through that. And also how the mass itself is celebrated. Is it something where when a person walks in, who's maybe not Catholic says, wow, these people take this very seriously. These people really do, do believe what they say, or at least they, 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 they worship in a way that really tries to honor and glorify God. I don't know. A lot of Catholics probably haven't had this experience, but uh, if you've ever been, for example, in an Orthodox church, their divine liturgy, I mean, it's just like so elaborate. And it's It's got all the smells and bells, and it's just beautiful. But you do walk in there, and you think to yourself, wow, these people, they really take seriously the worship of God. And let's be honest, when a lot of times you walk into a typical suburban Catholic parish, it's like they're kind of going, it seems like they're just going through the motions. Now, yes, Jesus is still sacramentally there and it's a valid Eucharist. I'm not trying to say otherwise. At the same time, though, all those other things about taking worship seriously and how we worship, it does impact people because subjectively, those things do draw us in so we can then look into the mystery of the Eucharist. But if it's like, if a person who is like maybe a fallenly Catholic or not Catholic walks in and it seems to him that nobody's taking this seriously, well, do you really think that's going to lead him to believe that that what looks like a piece of bread is actually the Lord of the universe? If the people who are uh, celebrating it don't really seem to be believing that. So mm -hmm. I really feel like it, it comes down to make the mission of the parish Everything revolves around the mission of the parish, which is salvation of souls. And a lot of that is just simply take seriously the faith and outwardly and inwardly take it seriously. If we do that, I think it'd be amazing how many people we could convert. You know, you I talked heard. about the sacredness of the mass, and that's so true. And I think we've lost that clearly. I mean, a, a personal experience of, for me, I could remember walking into the mother house in Calcutta with the missionaries of charity, 300 nuns sitting on the floor, you could hear a pin drop. And at the consecration, they all put their head to the floor. You're just like, what is going on in this room? It's called missionary zeal, Joe Resnell. <laughs> I don't know, because I've never seen it. And when they sing, you think you're in heaven. You're like, oh my Lord, I can't even believe what's going on here. I mean, that was my impression. You know, it blew me away. And it, that should be every Mass. That's right. it, it, it's a miracle. It should be every Mass. And people's heads will spin if we actually knew that that was Christ on the altar. And that is, to be honest with you, our expression of that should validate that reality. Joe Resinello, hold that thought because we have a, we only have a little bit more time. So I want to make sure we get to a couple questions for Eric Sammons, who's joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, here to discuss his new book, Deadly Indifference, How the Church Lost Her Mission and How We Can Reclaim It. Let's get into two topics. I know Eric are going to get us in trouble, but you're at the front line with Joe and Joe. So this is the way things roll. <laughs> um, let's talk about marriage, okay? For all the, a lot of talk about Pope Francis, this and that, he's been very clear um, you know, he made a couple statements. He said, it can, you know, uh, that I'll just give you one quote. Uh, we have to, um, it can happen that at times, perhaps they didn't exhibit that tendency talking about people who have the same sex attraction, but later on it comes out in consecrated and priestly life. There's no room for that kind of affection. Therefore, the church recommends that, that people with that kind of ingrained tendency should not be accepted into the ministry, uh, or consecrated life. And so, Strictly from a, from, why is it impossible for a man with ingrained homosexual tendencies, to use the words of Pope Francis, to become a priest? Well, a priest is in persona Christi. He is a representation of Jesus Christ here on earth. And so that is, there is no higher, there's literally no higher calling 
that a per, a man can have on this earth than that than, than representing Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, of course, was completely whole as a man. I mean, he's God as well, of course, but as a man, he's completely whole. He has no defects whatsoever. And somebody who has an ingrained homosexual tendency, that is a psychological disorder. He is disordered psychologically, meaning he's not whole. He's not able to be a, a, a whole person. He has this disorder that needs to be rectified, usually through counseling, psychological work, things like that. And so a priest with any serious psychological disorder, let's say you had a priest who, you had a man who was schizophrenic, that man can't be a priest. If you have a, a man who is a serious, like, alcoholic and, and, and really uh, that, that man can't be a priest. And so likewise, a, a man who has this ingrained same-sex attraction, I'm not talking about maybe somebody who at some point in their teenage years might have had some thoughts or, or whatever. That's different than what we're talking about. We're talking about where it's a psychological disorder. And so that man is just not qualified to be a priest. There, there's a lot of reasons why, you, you know, one thing people don't know is if you don't have, uh, like, let's say you've had a, uh, fingers cut off, something like that you're not qualified to be a priest either. That was the dispensation St. Isaac Job's had to get after his fingers were bit off. He wasn't allowed to celebrate mass anymore. And so the Pope gave him a dispensation. But in general, that's a defect that you can't be ordained a priest. So all these things, any serious defect like that, you can't represent Christ as fully. And so that, and yes, all priests are sinners, of course, so they're all defective in one sense, but this real psychological defects that, that a, a man with serious same-sex attraction would have disqualifies him from being a priest. I, I thank you, a thank couple, you for clarifying that. Yeah, Eric. I think also, I think a lot of people view, like, because the culture is basically communicating that message that homosexuality is on par with heterosexuality. Psychiatrists have said this for, for forever. Right. that homosexuality was a psychological disorder, and it's in the catechism. That's the catechism from 1992. Um, there are certain prelates that want to change that language. But however, that is what science says. Now, with that said, do we love these people? Absolutely. You mentioned earlier Courage, a great organization, Absolutely. a great organization to help people to live chaste lives. We're all called to live chaste lives. But it's it's interesting that Francis said these words because popes since 2005 have said the same words. Right. It's a common idea. Sadly, it's not always followed. But from a theological perspective, you cannot have a divided heart. A man who becomes a priest lays down his desire to marry. There must be sacrifice. Joe Racinello, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off because I want to leave a little bit of time for Eric to get into even more trouble with us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, Joe, I know you had a question about Canon 915. Eric, we have about two and a half, three minutes, but I'd love your take on this. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, basically, um, it seems to me that there is some lack of understanding here because the canon is very clear. It says, for those who've been excommunicated or interdicted after the imposition or declaration of the penalty and others who obstinately persevere and manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Now, we're going to juxtapose that with politicians who basically are pushing forth abortion, pro-abortion legislation. They're in the public domain. They are clearly obstinately persevering and manifest grave sin. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. And my frustration is if you write it down, you got to follow it. Then don't write it down. Right. I mean, it's, it's as clear as the day is long. Yeah. And it goes back to human respect. I really think that too many of our prelates are, are concerned about human respect. The fact is, if all of a sudden Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi were denied Holy Communion, they, there would be a lot of backlash. A lot of the culture would just heap a lot of hate on the Catholic Church. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's a grave scandal. It's part of the reason why we have 70% of Catholics who don't believe in the real presence, because we don't treat the Eucharist as a real presence. This is Jesus Christ. St. Paul himself says in Scripture that, you, that if you receive the Eucharist unworthily, you heap more sin upon yourself. And so when Joe Biden or any of these pro-abortion Catholic politicians uh, receive communion, it's damaging to their soul. And that's the key point here is the reason you would deny Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden, or whoever else, communion is there's two reasons. One is public scandal because you're telling the world that it doesn't matter if you think uh, little babies can be killed in their mother's womb. But the second reason is their soul. 
you're helping their soul by saying, no, you cannot receive communion because what you're hoping to do is give them that splash of water on their face. They say, wait a second, the way I'm living is not in conformity with the Catholic Church. They actually think they're living in conformity with the Catholic Church. And frankly, I don't blame them at this point because nobody, no prelate has loved them enough to say, no, you can't live like that. You cannot support abortion and still be a faithful Catholic. And so we do it. You need to deny them for those two reasons. It's both for the public scandal it gives when they receive communion, but also the harm to their own soul when they receive communion. Eric Sammons, we want to thank you so much for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Where could our audience, uh, number one, most importantly, find your book and buy your book? Um, and where could they find some more of uh, you know, your, uh, your publications and the things you do? Yeah, so my book's available everywhere, but I would recommend either going to my website, ericsammons.com, and buying it directly from me, or from sophiainstitute.com. That's the publisher, so sophiainstitute.com. You can buy it from them. Uh, also, I just recommend people follow uh, Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, we have article, a couple articles every day. They can tell you what's going on in the world from a Catholic perspective. Uh, and then I'm, on, I'm, I'm active on Twitter, Eric R. Sammons. Eventually, I'll probably get kicked off, but for now, I'm on there. That's right. <laughs> We're, we're all going to the guillotine, Eric. But we're going right. to go. We're all going it. together. <laughs> all right. So, Eric Sammons, thank you for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you all out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, thirteen fifty on your AM dial, s- spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And wherever you find us from now until, as we said, they kick us off, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Joe's on Twitter, we're on Rumble. I would recommend going to Rumble. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Help help us to build up our audience. Don't forget to go out and buy Eric Salmon's new book. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. 